there's an important turn that the last track, track number 10, A Song in the Dark, makes on this album. On that track, I talk about the big theological concept, the, the word we use is incarnation. Now, incarnation is simply, <laughs> simply, as if this is simple. Incarnation can be defined as God becoming human. It's about a God who enters time and space and says yes to this world. It's about an affirmation of human life. Incarnation says yes to the sacredness, the holiness of blood, sweat, and tears. Incarnation says yes to human bodies. It affirms that human bodies are good, that the here and now is flooded with meaning and purpose, and that the flourishing of the earth is a, is a priority, is not only a priority, but that this earth has a sacredness that hums in its soil. And what this says to us pro profoundly, deeply, is that Christianity is not about escape from this world, but it's about deeper appreciation and engagement with this world. Incarnation affirms that heaven and earth are no longer separate realms. It affirms that the sacred and the profane are fused and that life is about the endless process of becoming sons and daughters of God. And this means radically that we become brothers and sisters to one another. Incarnation affirms the endlessly complex beauty of the world and invites us into the depth and density, the raw and the real of human life on this planet. And so with this track, I want to push that idea just a bit further and talk about sort of the affirmation of human bodies. What does it mean, this sort of yes to the sacredness that hums in this skin, in this blood that runs through your veins? John Brueggemann, a sociologist who wrote a phenomenal book called Rich, Free, and Miserable, great title, right? And the subtitle is The Failure of Success in America. He argues this very simple but profound thesis. He argues that the logic of the market culture, that everything is for sale, and that we should get as much as we can, has infiltrated every aspect of our lives and keeps us from meaningful relationships. So I want to slow that down and I want to talk about this incredible, the ramifications of this amazing thesis. He argues that the logic of the market culture, that everything is for sale and that we should get as much as we can, has sort of taken up every aspect of our lives and keeps us from meaningful connections with one another. This is a powerful indictment of our culture but one that resonates, if we're honest. Haven't we all felt that American impulse, that desire to own cars, homes, maybe some land or other property and some education? Haven't we all felt all of a sudden sometime throughout our day that incessant need to go on amazon.com and to click a button so that in two days, the product of our desires will show up on our front porch? And somehow the logic behind all this is that I will feel a little bit better. I will be a little more complete. I'll be a little more whole if I can only buy and get this product. So through our work and our careers, this subtle market culture, we, we get caught in this endless cycle of bills and mortgages and credit cards. 
and the energy of our life begins to be spent on buying and selling. It dominates our thinking before we even think about it. And subtly, very subtly, we begin to treat everything as commodities to be bought and sold without sort of deeper reflection on the exchanges that are happening. But we all know at a kind of core gut level that making everything a commodity doesn't work at least not for our closest relationships, at least not for our relationship with nature and the earth. Our partners, our children, our friends and family remind us that they want far more from us than just what we produce, what we can buy and what we can sell. They want our time. They want a sense of deeper abiding connection with us. They want our hearts, to put it quite simply. I think that kids are phenomenal, have sort of this intuitiveness that expresses this so well. Kids are so satisfied at their best moments to play with Legos on the ground for hours and hours, to create these sort of Lego masterpieces, to let their minds go as they build and build and build. Kids do this outside with rocks and sticks and trees and and forests filled with awaiting for an adventure that they can have. Recently at our house uh, with my daughter, it's been Calico Critters. She just got like the Calico Critter house and uh, we just bought the elephant family. And literally I listened to her little voice making up these stories, these dialogues between the kids and the parents and going on for hours and hours. And she wants nothing more than for me to sit on the floor with her and enter into this world that she's creating. Because kids have this intuitive sense that buying things, it's, it's only second best to being fully present to someone, to entering into the depths of this human joy, this human experience that we're all a part of. Uh, recently, this is a, expressed so well and the way grandma and grandpa, their well-meaning intention to buy kids toys or candy or to take them on that next exciting adventure. And I realized, I've watched lately my kids sort of be like, uh, disappointed at the end of the day because ultimately, yeah, sure, they get really excited about that sugar rush or that next toy they're going to have. But ultimately, at the end of the day, what they truly wanted was relationship with grandma and grandpa, was to connect with them on a deeper way, to tell them stories and to to not be afraid to sort of enter into this world with them. Consumerism as a way of life is not sustainable. It will consume you. The more and more we let this sort of this cycle of buying and selling and getting run our lives, the more we feel consumed by it. Consumerism is not sustainable because we were meant for far more than buying and selling. We were meant for deep abiding connections with one another. Humans are not commodities to be bought and sold and neither is the earth. Humans are mysteries to be valued, to be cherished. All this is illustrated so well by this sort of classic parable of the fisherman and the businessman. And I want to tell it for you here. One day, a businessman on his way home from lunch saw a fisherman with a bucket of fish. Where are you going? asked the businessman. To the market to sell these fish, replied the fisherman. And how long did it take you to catch those? A couple hours, said the fisherman. Well, are you going to take the rest of the day off? Oh, I don't know, said the fisherman. I guess I'll go sit on the beach with my wife. 
drink wine, talk to those who come and go. But if you keep fishing, you could catch enough to earn more money, said the businessman. And why would I do that? said the fisherman. Well, you could buy better equipment to catch more fish. Within a few years, you'll have enough for a boat and large net. Why, eventually, you might even own a fleet of boats. And then what? asked the fisherman. Why, then you could go sit on the beach with your wife and family, drink wine, and talk to those who come and go. I love this story. The power of the story confronts us with the unquestioned logic of market culture, represented by the businessman and the native intelligence represented by the fisherman. The story invites us to reflect on our real desires. Haven't we all at one time or another been the fisherman? We've resisted the dominant market culture because we knew there was something better that was offered to us. But haven't we all also at times been the businessman? Compliant with market culture, with this sort of blind trust that this is what we want and we should get it. And with a sort of unquestioning addiction to buying and selling that costs us real relationships. I wrote the poem, Defiance is a Dance I'm Learning, to remind everyone about the mystery, the beauty, the worth of our humanity, and to challenge us to say no, to say no to the dehumanizing features of market culture, and to say yes to real, authentic relationships, to say yes to a relationship with the earth that brings real, lasting flourishing for generations, to say yes to each other. I asked, um, for this track, I asked a good friend of mine, Jenny LaJoy, a singer-songwriter, to partner with me. And she wrote the most beautiful melody and then this awesome singable chorus to remind us of the power that surges within our bodies. So with that, are you ready to dance? The worth of your body is immeasurable. Your life has gravity. In this moment, make a decision that subverts everything. flashy screens or quick fixes and conveniences push past the surface of things listen to the depths of your being to the yearnings of your intuition
sing and resist, dance and insist. Don't let the conditioning of consuming stop your body from dreaming.